0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Lawrence Simon, and my show, which is usually on and Mondays at four o'clock, is called Stories We Live By. And I've decided to uh, occasionally, or maybe more than occasionally, uh, do a second show if I can uh, in a week uh, and put it in the evening, where I might get a different audience and even a larger audience. And it's not only because of my own ego that I do this, although my own ego plays a role in this. Uh, doing these shows uh, is is a tonic for me. I'm a retired psychologist, and uh, it makes me still feel I have a professional involvement, and uh, I have something to say professionally that I think might be of value to some people who hear it. And over the last couple of weeks, I've uh, done a... Another series on psychiatry and the kind of damage that I think that psychiatry is doing to our society. I feel it is undermining our democracy, our individual and, and uh, collective creativity, the sense of social justice. Uh, it is a pretend science. And I had an interview, I did a show uh, three weeks ago in which I laid out my argument Uh, based on work of others, including Thomas Zoss, the great Thomas Zoss, that uh, this is a pseudoscience. And let me add, again, uh, I'd say psychiatry. I mean clinical psychology, clinical social work, anybody who uses the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual and says about people who are confused or or dangerous or uh, anxious or too sad to function, that they're disordered or mentally ill. Uh, I I include all of those under the title of psychiatry. It is psychiatry that has led the uh, development of that kind of a story, that uh, we're all sick and in need of therapy of some kind, but particularly in the last few years, dangerous chemicals. And when I laid that story out, I followed it with two uh, our interviews with uh, Robert Whitaker, the author of Mad in America, absolutely, uh, absolutely fabulous book, an important and scary book, and um, kind of uh, led me to start thinking about other directions I can go in to expand on my argument that psychiatry is dangerous and a why and put it in a kind of a social context, in a historical context, in a larger context that I've been talking about it uh, up until now. And that's what I want to do in the next uh, 40 minutes or so. I'm going to sip my tea as I do this. Um, I'm going to sound a bit professorial in this session, uh, and I'm going to do that purposely. Uh, I hope it won't be too professorial. I hope that I can uh, make my ideas clear uh, and not sound like I'm lecturing to a college class. I do feel a kind of urgency about saying what I'm going to say tonight because uh, I don't think that we're uh, going in the right direction as a society, as a world. And um, I don't expect from this little vantage point the change of the world but maybe just enough uh, that my conscience is clear that I haven't given up in trying to make a difference um, about things that I consider critically important, particularly because I have children and I have grandchildren and so do my friends, and I think that we're all in real trouble. And I think most people have a sense of the danger that the world is in and the kind of decay that's taking place in our society that has to be reversed. And uh, that is ultimately my professional goal, is to try and add something to change that direction. Um, Next week, I'll do a story on... uh, Two weeks, I'll do a story on education, although maybe uh, if this works out tonight well, I will will, uh, maybe make it uh, next uh, Tuesday night. I'll be back from Disney World. Uh, I'm taking my daughter and granddaughter on an excursion. I'm looking forward to that very much. Uh, A little fantasy won't help, won't hurt, rather. (laughs) Freudian slip, a little fantasy, won't help. Uh, Anyway, let me talk about uh, the kind of stories we live by, because I really do believe that, to me, that's the central issue. And there are two kinds of stories that uh, you can discern in in, in, in the content of what human beings live by. One can be considered a scientific story and the other a moral story. The scientific story, and we are all scientists, please don't be confused by the idea that uh, scientists wear horn-rimmed glasses and wear laboratory coats and have PhDs or MD degrees. Every human being who stays alive into adulthood especially is a pretty good scientist because staying alive and thriving it means figuring out how things work, how people work, how the economy works. Uh, you have to learn something about physics. You don't have to put it into mathematical form, but you have to know if you're going to play ball or drive a car. An awful lot intuitively about physics. Taking care of ourselves in this complex age requires more than a, a bit of sophistication in biology. Balancing your budget and paying your bills makes you an economist, um, but overall, all of these are sciences, um, and uh, uh, therefore, I think we are all scientists trying to figure out how to make things work. Uh, when you're a teenager, you try to figure out how to get the girl to say yes uh, to a variety of important questions. Um, It's an endless process of trying to figure out how the world works so that we can describe it, explain it, make predictions about it that are necessary for our health, wealth, and survival, and at the same time uh, exercise some kind of control over the world. And if you read something about science or the science of science, the philosophy of science, that is exactly – hello, Sparkleite, Nice to see you. Um, that is exactly what the goal of science is. Now, at the same time, we're all moralists, because the things we decide to do based on what we know can either be uh, harmful to us or helpful to us. The consequences of our actions can hurt or help others. So we're constantly trying to figure out the morality of what we know and the actions we take based on what we know. Uh, I have never met a human being who doesn't want to uh, think of themselves as a good person. Uh, when people used, I used to see people I called patients for psychotherapy over my 40-year career. career. Uh, the thing they would say is, I know I'm screwed up, but I'm still a good person. And indeed, some of them I think were very good people, and others I thought were awful people. Uh, but that was not my job to tell them they were good or bad people. My job was to help them understand themselves, and if they were unhappy about being bad people, hurting others, in other words, whatever the criteria was that they and I agreed upon was not good, uh, it was to help them understand to make better decisions. And better decisions in this part was to know how to get along with others without fighting, uh, how to protect yourself so that uh, you don't get hurt either emotionally psychologically, or even physically. So we're all scientists, and we're all moral philosophers. Moral philosophy is contained usually within organized religion. And if we go back before the age of science, go back about 500 years, religion had a very interesting take, and most people's stories came from religion. Um, In the United States today, in the Western world, including Europe, United States, most of the developed countries, there's all kinds of statements. Yes, we believe in God, but the predominant philosophy still remains science. And I want to talk about that in a little bit, because what real science is is not what psychiatry and so much of what pretends to be science actually is. But if you go back to the time... Before uh, the rise of science into religion, and go back even before the development of monotheism, um, there were uh, a struggle to understand the world, and a struggle to be good, and to understand the world towards moral purpose, so that we can engage in what would be what we considered to be moral purpose. And if you study the psychology of individuals way back. Uh, 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, even 2,000 years before, uh, well, before monotheism, the belief in one single great being uh, was, was uh, the predominant philosophy, everything was sort of alive with gods. The wind was a god, and the sun was a god, and the moon was a goddess. And the gods controlled all things. And the gods determined what was good or bad, And human beings who have great difficulty and have always and probably always will have great difficulty agreeing as to what is moral, what is right or wrong, uh, would would now put their faith in those who interpreted for the gods. So the gods provided an explanation of what was uh, uh, true uh, and how things should be done. And the gods also defined the morality of people's lives. People saw themselves as invested by the gods. They were not gods, but they were godlike in many ways. They contained the spirit. They contained something that went beyond their bodies. And most people today still hold on to that idea. Uh, with the rise of the monotheistic religions, and most of the dominant great religions of today, Catholicism, Protestantism, Judaism, uh, Buddhism, um, um, well, Buddhism doesn't quite believe in gods, uh, but uh, Islam believed that there is a one god. And it's the one god uh, that is the source of life, that is the one god uh, that is the ex. The, the true explanation of why things happen and that human beings have a soul or a spirit that comes from that God and in fact uh, is the source of morality is the source of creativity uh, is that which is rewarded or punished for living the good life or the bad life um, It is something that makes a human being more than their body, right? And I believe that most of us experience ourselves that way. Now, most of the people I know don't talk about having a soul necessarily, but a mind. The mind is the secular form of the soul. There is an I in our sentence, not E-Y-E, but I, capital I. And I say I do the show, and I speak. I speak for me. I speak from me. I speak to you, uh, who listens from the point of view of your subjectivity, your I. Ah, I say I have a brain. All right, now that creates an interesting relationship. Who is the I that has the brain? I don't believe, and I'm going to get into this at great length. that if my brain stops functioning, there will be any I. There won't be a me, as I understand myself to be psychologically, that I understand myself in terms of being a spirit. I don't believe I will live any longer than my body, uh, except maybe in the memory of those who knew me, Uh, and hopefully those who knew me liked me, and will remember me with fondness as somebody who was a positive and moral force, positively moral force in their lives the, the transformation from this world of, that was filled with magic with souls, with spirits, with gods or god, uh, where everything was determined by something beyond what you could see in front of you um, physically was transformed about 500 years ago when we went through the Great Intellectual Reformation and the Scientific Revolution. And science was very, very different in its attitudes than um, religion. In religion, the source of ultimate knowledge comes from on high. Uh, The source of ultimate truth and morality comes from on high. And, of course, this required an interpretation of what God's or God wanted. And this came from the priests and the clerics who are still with us and who still struggle to get uh, their message across about their interpretation of what God wants and what God has created uh, that we have to accept as true. Uh, that, that hasn't changed, and I'm not sure it'll ever change. But what happened in, 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 in this phase is that there was no questioning a higher authority. God knows all. God is all-powerful. Uh, God is eternal. God is perfect. And we are all imitations of that God. We are created in the image of this God or gods, and we have to seek to be perfect in our knowledge, in our bodies, in our morality, that we may uh, be more like the gods or God, and uh, earn our reward uh, after our bodies cease to function, uh, or earn our punishments uh, by the life we have lived. I'm not going to get into the specifics of any specific religion, but The most powerful people on earth, and in many ways still are, are those individuals who interpret the Bible or interpret the spirit world or interpret what the gods want and uh, demand of us that they are not speaking for themselves, that we believe that they are speaking for the gods or God, and uh, assume a tremendous power in our lives, a hierarchy a hierarchy in which uh, we will be rewarded and punished on earth and thereafter in the spirit world of whatever type the religion or religions uh, suggest exists. Uh, And this gives these individuals great power for as long as we believe and we accept that the way the world works as defined by them is true and what will happen to us after we die uh, uh, what, who, what is right or wrong that will define what happens to us uh, as long as we accept that their ideas uh, and we are in their tender mercies um, they have great power and we lack it what happened in the scientific revolution was truly revolutionary instead of accepting uh, truth through revelation and through authority. Scientists began to, or those people who began to suggest that they were scientists, even if they didn't use that name, began to suggest we can understand the world through our own observations, and we can make it work as we wish it to through our own mechanisms and our own uh, uh, attempts at controlling our world and our environment. Science was born... The moment human beings said, I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to look around me and I'm going to try to figure out how the world works, how I work, how you work, I'm going to try to understand the mechanisms and the actions uh, of the world so that I can describe them, I can come up with explanations for why we get sick, why we grow old, why we die, uh, why we're born. Um, uh, why one food makes us ill and another food makes us healthy the infinite number of questions that can be asked could be answered now by observation and by human effort good science and it's as rare as hen's teeth also says until we can see evidence that supports our beliefs we only call it a theory it's not true Those people who uh, claim that we should teach um, uh, uh, scientific creationism in the classroom, a fancy word for religion in the classroom, uh, and not teach Darwin or teach Darwin alongside of creationism, do not put forth real science. Real science says, I can't say anything is true until I can support it with observable evidence. If I can't do that, it's a theory. It's a guess. It can be a sophisticated guess, but it's still a guess. What this does is knock authority off its pins. Everybody now becomes a potential authority. Here is the evidence. Here are my ideas and the evidence that supports it, and we become a scientist. The good scientist says, you know, your evidence is better than my evidence. I'm going to change what I think is true, because what you have demonstrated for me is that you're really a better scientist. You have better evidence to support your ideas than I have evidence to support my ideas. Uh, it exists in this world, such debate, such discussion. It exists in a variety of places and a variety of times. Unfortunately, from my value system, not enough. Not enough anywhere nearly enough the 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 tremendous strides that this process made in every area of life is evident it's evident by the fact that i could speak to you over a telephone and a computer line into cyberspace and potentially every human being on earth if they have the right equipment could tune in to this particular show the amount of information that is on BlogTalkRadio.com is incredible. If you add the entire internet, it is overwhelming the amount of information, the amount of ideas, the amount of potential debate, the amount of, of revolution and knowledge. There is no single authority. Authority has absolutely uh, diminished. You're now called nuts if you go against many of the great ideas of science. And science led to uh, um, all kinds of applications, technological applications, extensions of knowledge. We live in a technological world at this point, massively technological. We are dependent, completely dependent on our technology. Uh, I have arthritis in my knees. I've spoken about this before. It does preoccupy me. And uh, two weeks, three weeks from this past Monday, from yesterday, um, a surgeon who operated on my right knee will now operate on my left knee. Absolutely incredible. And somewhere down the road, if these operations don't provide the long-term relief that I want, and they probably won't, I'll go to another surgeon who I happened a meeting with last week who replaced my knees. With with artificial um, uh, product, incredible, it's an incredible advance, and I know dozens of people who walk around comfortably and happily on artificial knees. Dangers, yes, to all of this technology, but not many of us will give up this technology. Uh, as a doctor I saw today said, uh, at 67, people were all dead, sick, social security. At the turn in the 30s, when Roosevelt introduced Social Security, the social net, people um, were not expected to live past 65, and if they did to 66 or 67, Social Security uh, didn't have to pay that much. You had a lot of people working, putting money into Social Security, and very few people drawing out. Look what has happened in 60 or 70 years. The lifespan because of our knowledge and our technology, has absolutely exploded. We now have way over a million people in the United States alone who are over 100 years old, and many of them living fairly fruitful and enjoyable lives, productive lives. Incredible. Incredible. But here's the problem. Here is the problem. While science has replaced religion, And the fight goes on. I mean, I I could talk about that at great length. Uh, If the world comes to an end in the next 25 years, it may be because the forces of orthodox fundamentalist religion, who despise everything that science has to say, uh, uh, will uh, engage in a civilizational conflict with those countries that have technological advantage. Uh, and the end product of that will be something uh, too terrible to contemplate. And yet, I think it might actually come to pass. You have many, many people in this country and around the world who despise the outcomes of science, one of which is democracy. In a democracy, everybody has a right to their opinion, and nobody has a right to shut that opinion down. We are all, speakers of truth if in fact we're open minded we provide evidence to support our beliefs uh, we are all scientists and this has become the powerful story of our age particularly of our age here's the problem with science science cannot tell anybody what's good or bad or right or wrong it can't science tells us what is It doesn't say whether what is is good or bad, ugly or beautiful. These things come from human beings. These are the things, the aspects of human beings, the ability to to make moral judgment that science doesn't touch. It doesn't touch them. And the result is we are left for those of us who are scientists, with a quandary. If we don't turn to religion, and I certainly see nothing of great value in how most religions are carried out. I see them as authoritarian. I see them steeped in mysticisms. I see them steeped in prejudices. Uh, uh, I don't see them unless, you know, they, they have really become cosmopolitan and and made their peace to some degree with science, I don't see them uh, as any great advantage. I don't see us uh, having to uh, think that we have an exit, that we can live our lives, and um, we don't have to worry too much about the creativity and and the purpose of our lives, simply because we'll get another chance later. I think the idea of God's, Uh, is misused in a million different ways and whatever comfort it provides, and it certainly does, uh, I would like to see human beings come to grips with the fact that we are finite, we are mortal, uh, that we don't know all that we need to know, and that there's nothing on high that's going to tell us what it is we need to know. I rely on science. But what science has tended to do is to see the human being as a kind of a machine and I have to talk about that as part of the scientific story that came with the scientific revolution when religion was in its ascendancy the gods were everywhere and human beings had a divine spark that was something about human beings that went again beyond their bodies we were, we were greater than our bodies science saw the universe as a mechanism a machine a gigantic machine Uh, if you studied Newton uh, in school Isaac Newton who who, uh, described gravity um, he never really did get hit on the head with an apple but that's another story Um, he saw the world as the universe as a and that human beings were the uh, uh, part of that mechanism And that God had created the watch. And the mechanism uh, uh, now ran with or without God's help. Uh, But we were all part of this mechanism. As the body began to be explored by physicians and biologists, it too was seen as a mechanism. We are seen as a glorious machine. That the brain is likened to a computer. Something I always kind of laugh about. Human beings invented the computer, we created the computer, and now we see the computer as uh, able to explain who and what we are. Sorry, the computer cannot create us. We created the computer. And if you've been following my show, you know how deeply I believe that life is requires and is good when we are creative. Then we And we make it Uh, when we have a poem on a piece of paper that the paper was blank and now there is something beautiful there. Or we create and we make computers or automobiles or all of the things that we create. Hopefully, we will get to the point where when we create things, we will ask, is this good for humanity or will it destroy humanity? Because apparently, we're uh, um, we're really not at that level yet. But the idea that we are a machine has taken hold of almost everybody in our Western society. Now, a machine doesn't have a soul. It doesn't have a divine spark. It has no spark. It can't create. And this now brings me to the disaster of psychiatry. Psychiatry comes from a tradition that says we are a machine. That the brain is a machine and that if human beings uh, are sad, if they become confused, if they develop ideas that society doesn't uh, 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 agree with, they are sick in their brain. And that the brain needs to be tinkered with. And this is a catastrophe for all of us. Why? Because it demeans and diminishes the human being to some kind of a robot, to something that is not creative. Now, this puts me in a quandary, because I've already said I don't believe in divine. I don't believe I have a soul that lasts forever. And yet, I use the word soul all the time. I believe there is something part of us that we all experience I don't think it's immortal, and I don't think it comes from God. I don't think it comes from anywhere but our own being and our own psychology. But it can't be reduced to our biology, and it is that which makes us and our lives precious. So I find myself struggling to be a scientist and understand the world and its mechanisms, but recognizing that living things, and I include animals in this, have something about them that can't be reduced to their biology. It has to be understood in other terms. And hence, I think psychology is a valuable potential science. I don't think it's a science now at all. And sociology and economics. And in the end, I'm not sure we'll ever fully explain ourselves. I was watching a show on television this morning, my wife had on, and they were describing, they were discussing... it was the Oprah show, actually, and my wife had taped it. Um, It was a story about a young boy who um, killed his family. Well, he shot his mother and his brother and his father, but the father survived. And this young boy was now found out guilty, and he's now on death row. And you say, how could he have done this? I can't explain it. And the more I am uh, in this field and the longer I stay alive, I can't explain human beings. I can't explain what goes wrong or why it stays right within my own moral system. Uh, I believe that murder is wrong. I believe that killing is wrong. Um, I think killing should be the last resort, even in self-defense. Although, certainly, I believe we have a right to defend ourselves. But when you kill your mother, you kill your brother, uh, this becomes unimaginable to me. Psychology dismisses it by saying he's sick. And the discussion from the experts was he's a sociopath or a psychopath, a meaningless moral label. It says he doesn't have a conscience. But why doesn't he have a conscience? Why doesn't he have guilt? Why didn't he feel guilty or shameful about the very idea of striking down his mother or father? who, by the way, didn't seem to be that bad a parent at all. Maybe they had high standards for him. He certainly felt in an interview he gives that he didn't uh, live up to those standards. Well, many of us feel we didn't live up to a standards of our parents or of society. Not too many of us either commit suicide over this or murder other people, particularly our families. When this happens, we we are struck by the fact that we don't understand it. And that's why we want to understand it. And that's why we accept these labels that psychiatry provides us. Psychiatry is not a science. And here's the rub. Science says what is. It does not make value judgments. Psychiatry only makes value judgments. It makes moral judgments that pose, that pose, that pretend to be scientific explanations if I claim that God is speaking to me I will be told I'm schizophrenic why am I schizophrenic? because I claim God is talking to me why do I say God is talking to me? because I'm schizophrenic if I kill somebody I'm a sociopath why am I a sociopath? because I killed somebody why did I kill them? because I'm a sociopath it goes around in a circle it's illogical, it's illogical, we have therefore a science, a pseudoscience that is undermining our creativity, it undermines our sense of social justice because most of the people I've met who have been crazy or mad, that's the word that I I prefer and it's a judgment, it doesn't explain anything but most of the really depressed, unhappy, hallucinating people who can't live in the world or or, or withdraw or whatever have been the product of injustice, of great pain. Indeed, many of them have been hypersensitive to such pain. But it has all been there. The stories that most of my so-called patients have told me over 40 years made my hair curl. I used to say, I used to say, my mother didn't understand me. She didn't. I got older, and I also discovered I didn't understand her at all. But she didn't understand me. And then I started to work with people whose parents were alcoholic and abusive, who were neglected, who were orphaned, who lived in terrible poverty, who were beaten, who were raped, who were raped, uh, who, who was sodomized, one story after another. And I said, boy, if the only thing that ever happened to me from my parents was that uh, I wasn't understood I really came out way ahead yes yes I think so and so I believe that we have to have an idea of something precious in human beings something that we don't understand and we have to struggle to create the conditions that foster that creativity that sense of uh, feeling of love for other people and love for oneself Love I've talked about many times. Science never talks about love. It's not to be understood. It's outside the pale of science. Instead, psychiatry comes up with these moral labels for which there is no scientific evidence that they are illnesses. They are simply uh, uh, part of the human condition. Part of the human condition. To be depressed is to be human. To be happy is to be human to love and to hate, are to be human. And my desperation is to have as many people as possible stand up and say, I am not going to accept totalitarian religions anymore, that any religion that tells me that I go to heaven if I blow up myself and somebody else's child, or that God loves this country more than other countries, that all truth emanates from some force that comes through some person's mouth who tells me that they are in contact with that perfect force and that they too are perfect. I don't want that. On the other side, I don't want false science. I don't want somebody pretending that they are being scientific than what they are doing is being a moral philosopher and hiding it in pseudoscience. We must make a better world. We must educate our children. In the next show I do, uh, uh, in two weeks, maybe I'll even do it earlier uh, in an evening if I can manage it, I want to talk about the corruption of our educational system, many things that that are destructive to our educational system um, because we all know things aren't going well. Uh, I live in Florida, which is 49th uh, in the whole country in education, uh, money spent on education. And the only thing that the administration now, the Republicans in charge, can think of doing to balancing the budget is to give teachers is give teachers a pay cut. Uh, we met somebody just recently who was a teacher in a high school down here, and after five years of teaching high school, makes $39,000. I mean, I can't, I can't believe it. I can't even believe it. Uh, and yet, we think we're going to get quality teachers. Uh, we have convinced our students that they're not students but patients that um, if we put stress they will fold, they will crumble Uh, I can't imagine telling my teachers or my professors I'm anxious, I can't study Uh, it wouldn't have worked and while it might have been true to some extent, thank God it didn't work because there was a standard set and the standard uh, has to be maintained It has to be. Well, a standard is actually gone. I'll tell you stories from my own educational experience because this college, the community college that I worked in, uh, went from being an educational institution to a social work institution in which the happiness and mental health of the students was precedent over their academic success and skills. And it was very clear to me that the better you can read, the better you can write, The the better you can think, the more related and the more you understand science, psychology, uh, and all of its manifestations. The, The more you can write poetry, play music, the more you have skills, the happier you tend to be. And everybody around you is equally happy because you have something constructive to come out of your life to add to the happiness, the pleasure, and the success of the lives around you. We are dying as a society. And psychiatry is not the total destructive force in our society, but it is certainly one of the main manifestations dragging us down. So, boys and girls, and whoever else will come across this, uh, this, this 45 minutes in, in, hyper, in cyberspace, whatever the hell, that, wherever that is, Uh, Wherever that is, Uh, I hope you will struggle with these ideas. I hope you will read your uh, Darwin, and you will read your literature. Uh, You want to have a great book to read? I read last year, Middlemarch. You deserve three credits if you read it. The book by, uh, who wrote that? It's a a woman writer, George Eliot, but it was really a female, uh, who couldn't get published back then if she admitted that she was a woman. Of course, everybody believed women weren't smart enough to write. One of the great novels of all time, an understanding of character, of time and place, uh, and gives you great pleasure. When you finish the book, all 600 and some odd pages, you close it and say, God, I wish I could read it again. So, that's where I stand. I will continue these discussions. Uh, light. Uh, thank you for staying with me through this it was really a great pleasure maybe next time you'll call in and we can uh, have a chat but I'm going to hang up now and uh, I think I have another cup of tea Well, they'll probably keep me up half the night going to the bathroom but what the heck and uh, I will uh, talk to you uh, again I hope I'll do another evening show um, sometime soon uh, I have to see how this plays out and uh, I don't want to give up the 4 o'clock because uh, I have a following there, and uh, I never told anybody. Well, I I did this. I got up this morning, and I said, I have to do this. I have to do this. Okay, take care, and uh, if you like Sparkle Light, give this a five, Uh, and and it really does help bring listeners around. Uh, Do you have a show yourself? I think you do. I'll have to look up. Yes, you do. Okay. And uh, I will, I will uh, you know, what? maybe we get together on your show. Yes. Okay. Good night. Goodbye. And thank you all.